Today's show is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash everything sounds. Over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash everything sounds. Ignition sequence start. Everything. Everything. Sounds. Sounds. This is Everything Sounds. And the game is set at 6. Equalization at 20. Now we go down to 18, 16, 14, 12, 10, 8, 6, 4, 2, and finally down to 0. I'm Craig Shank. I'm George Drake Jr. And this is Everything Sounds. What you heard at the beginning there was a recording from the headphones of an old crystal radio. If you don't know what a crystal radio is, you're probably not alone, so I'll explain. Crystal radios were some of the first radio receivers and were also some of the most inexpensive. They didn't need electricity to run. They simply operated by the power received from radio waves via their long antennas. And they were called crystal sets because of the crystal detector used in the device. Actually, some are still available today in build-it-yourself kits. My dad got me one when I was a kid. Right. It can be a fun amateur science project, but just because you can make one for yourself and they're relatively inexpensive doesn't mean they're a viable replacement for your current radio. Of course, the signal is pretty weak. The term high fidelity didn't exist when they were first made. But if you came across an original crystal set today, you wouldn't be able to plug in your earbuds either. Original crystal set earphones were often the most expensive part of the device. And super heavy. Each earphone had a moving iron driver. It's basically a magnet wound with coils that created an electromagnet. This magnet creates a varying magnetic field. That vibrates the earphone's diaphragm and creates sound waves. This particular crystal set currently resides at the Science Museum of London, which houses the creation of this guy. I'm Alex Kolkowski. I'm currently the sound artist in residence at the Science Museum in London. Alex, spelled A-L-E-K-S, is a fascinating guy. He's a violinist who's done work under the experimental composer John Cage. He's worked with artists, filmmakers, and choreographers in the UK and Germany. But recently, he's spent time collecting, researching, and fixing old audio devices. Like that crystal set we heard earlier, along with old radios from various decades, gramophones and Victrolas, but... In the Science Museum, he's made an installation to go along with the uh, 90 years of the BBC exhibit that they have. The installation itself is in between the agriculture and materials section of the museum. You wouldn't even think it's part of the museum. After walking up a flight of stairs, straight ahead of you is a door marked private. Once you open that door... He calls it the Babble Machine. All around you in this very plain studio space is his collection. Old radios sit on tables. Uh, These old radio sets really all all from the 1920s. And radio horns are scattered throughout. And all of the radios are playing different clips. All of the sound is being outputted through through, um, moving iron speakers, really. Some you can understand, and others you can't even identify. The idea was that you could actually walk in and actually hear these... What, the, what you know, some of the sounds, was, or a piece inspired by 
by early radio and, and actually hear some of the technology as well. And so they're, they're kind of brought to life, if you like, uh, these, these, these artifacts. The name Babel Machine is more than just a clever title. It's actually a literary reference to a foreshadowing of radio. Babel machines were um, referred to in, um, by H.G. Wells in, in, in his novel The Sleeper Awakes. I mean, the Sleeper Awakes was, I think, was written in 1899. And he really foresaw radio. He described these, uh, these, these speakers that would spout out uh, propaganda to the workers. And so what we have here, um, the piece is kind of punctuated uh, regularly by, by these announcements from this Babel machine. It relayed news stories, but H.G. Wells called them something a bit more creative. They describe themselves as live paper, which is very funny, and they make these noises, yaha, yaha, live paper. And then it makes an announcement, a news announcement about some, some atrocities that are happening in, in Paris the time, and that, that law and order must be maintained. The piece itself actually began with a set of four 78 RPM records that he found in the basement of the Science Museum. They were older records made of shellac, but what was on them is what surprised Alex the most. These records were actually produced by the Marconi Company uh, for their service engineers and dealers, and these records were just of uh, radio interference. Uh, these, these were published in uh, in about 1933, I think it was, but it was just recordings of radio interference, different kinds of radio interference caused by a tram or, or a sewing machine or a, or, a, or a bell and things like that. So uh, a lot of the sounds that are heard, uh, especially of the music, are you know, um, original recordings of radio interference from, from, the, uh, from the early 1930s or like late 1920s. Now, it doesn't only consist of radio interference. The Babel machine recordings are his own, and he also put some other recordings in for a bit of texture. Uh, there's one story about a, basically a haunted radio, a voice that haunts a radio, voice of an opera singer. And in the early part of the piece, um, it, it's more like, it's, it's something like a radio drama, really. So you, the other horns are playing, are, are relating to the story that, that, that's being spoken. And then uh, there's another story about a woman, Ethelberta, who thinks she's a radio. Um, and there's another, th there's a thriller as well. So that, that's, that, this has kind of a lot of text collage. When you're in the installation, you're encouraged to walk around to each device and experience each sound individually. Or you can just stand in the middle and let it wash over you. But I also wanted to create the, the actual feeling that maybe you're inside some kind of radio set, that you're hearing all of this, you know, you're in the ether and you're hearing all of these voices and, uh, and all this noise and different, coming from different directions. And that was uh, all this radio traffic, if you like. It's uh, quite dimly lit uh, with a sort of an amber glow, which is uh, hopefully emulates, well, the idea is to emulate the, the warm, golden glow of a vacuum tube, if you like. Uh, and, then, and it's also creating certain shadows on, on the walls as well of the, of the signet horns and suspended objects. Alex says the people who enjoy the Babel machine the most are those of older generations who feel nostalgia when seeing the antiquated devices. But even more so are the kids who come in. When he was making the piece, he wanted the highs and lows of the piece to be a bit jarring. 
I tried to create kind of a waveform so that you had like moments of peak moments of a lot of activity and then a trough where there's not much happening there's one single radio or a voice or something like that so it has that kind of try to kind of have that kind of waveform or that classic waveform uh, structure. He said those fluctuations combined with the huge horns ultimately frightens the kids but in a good way. They find these speakers or these horn speakers very exotic so when one is on or off they'll, they'll rush away or they get scared by them and they like that. The room isn't just old radios and those big horns. What attracts the most attention is actually hanging from the ceiling. It's a brass tea kettle with a speaker inside of it, which is a reference to Harry Houdini. In, I think it was in 1922, he wrote an article in Popular, Popular Wireless or Popular Radio about, I think it was called Ghosts That Talk By Radio, and it was an expose of the tricks of, of mediums who used radio in seances to trick their clients by hiding radio receivers in, in domestic objects or behind pictures. Or There's a famous, there's a lovely picture of Houdini listening to the spout of a kettle and there's an illustration of some coils inside and a, re and a receiver. When it's on, it doesn't play the sound so much as it creates an entirely different sound. The rattling of the kettle almost stands out above everything else. I, I think maybe we wanted it to be maybe more disturbing. <laughs> I think we all, we all, I think the, from the three of us that worked on this had different expectations. I think I wanted to get something across of the sound of early radio, uh, and um, but in a, obviously in a in a modern, it's a modern reworking, if you like. You can learn more about Alex, his work at the Science Museum, and his own work with antiquated audio devices, along with some pictures of the Babel Machine installation from our website, everythingsounds.org. Also on our site, find information on how you or your business can support Everything Sounds. This is an independent production. It's literally just Craig and me. Everything you hear is researched, produced, edited, and funded by two guys who want to bring you unique stories on sound. If you enjoy the program, consider supporting the show like other listeners have by becoming an Everything Sounds audiophile. You'll get access to bonus material when it becomes available. And you also get the satisfaction of knowing each time you listen to Everything Sounds, you help to make it happen. And besides, how cool does being an audiophile sound? Find out more at everythingsounds.org support. Until next time, I'm George Drake Jr. I'm Craig Shank, and this is Everything Sounds. This has been Everything Sounds. Find out more about the podcast at everythingsounds.org. Connect with Everything Sounds on Facebook and also on Twitter.